Good morning, church. Um, yo, really good to be in church this morning. And I just feel super excited to be. I feel a great sense of joy and uh, a great sense of faith in the room, to be honest, during praise and worship as well. Our team did an amazing job. If we can just give it up for our team one more time. Just a great level of faith and expectancy and excitement. I think that's what church is all about. I think if you are um, going to church and it feels like lustig and it feels heavy, man, there is joy in the house of the Lord. So when we can come together and have an amazing time and worship our God, the joy of the Lord is a real thing. And we love to do that and laugh and have a great time together. And that's what I feel our church is all about. Um, if it's your first time here, just a massive word of welcome to you. Uh, Really hope and pray that you have a fantastic morning with us. And there's a free coffee for you as well if you are here for the first time. And if you're feeling daring today and it's not your first time and you want to pretend that it is, go for it. Um, our, our baristas are quite eagle-eyed and they do have a punishment system for people like you. But if you want to give it a go, you know what? It's always exciting to see how that works out. My name is Phil. If I've yet to have the pleasure of meeting you, um, I'm one of the pastors here at Revive Church. Our lead pastor, Swen, he is on leave um, for the next two weeks. Very well-deserved leave. So we just hear the ah, and then I'll tell, him you, I'll tell him you were super bummed. I kind of love it when Swen's on leave because it almost feels a little bit like the wild, wild west. Um, anything can go down. Anything can happen. Laura is here, though. So I didn't say that, Laura. I, I said that. I'm going to be well-behaved today, and we're going to have an awesome time. For those of you that are um, a part of our church and have been a part of our rhythms lately, we have recently worked through the book of 1 Peter, which was a fantastic uh, preaching series that we worked through. And today we're kicking off a brand new series going into the book um, of 1 John. Uh, not to be confused with the Gospel of John, also a great book, but we're going to be studying the book of 1 John over the next few weeks. We're incredibly excited about it. But just before I do that, I just want to make mention of a couple things. Um, our team that went to or on their way to Zambia left this morning. Um, we're so excited to hear about the amazing things that they're going to get up to. Um, so please, when you have moments this week, uh, uh, lend some prayer, think about them. Um, we really believe in God is going to do something amazing in the, in the province of Zambia, in the west province of Zambia, where they're going to be, but also in their lives that they experience something awesome. And then also I want to make mention again about our new person's lounge. Um, if you are here for the first time, please, I know the temptation to scurry away as soon as the service finishes, that's strong, and I'm with you, man. I, I get it. Come and hang out with us in the new person's lounge. Grab a coffee. We'd love to just connect and hang out. Is that okay? Amazing. We're going to get into the, uh, into the Word of God today. We're looking at the book of 1 John, and I'm so excited for this series, and I really believe God has got something um, fresh for us in this next series. And, and really, the, the why behind us studying the book of John um, is quite simple. Uh, the book of John was written in a time uh, by the author John, who also authored the, the Gospel John. It was written in a time where there was a lot of doubt, and there was a lot of false teaching going on about Christianity, and especially about the person of Jesus. So the 1 John letter, the book, is written as a defense. It's written to dispel all of the false teaching, all of the rumors, everything that was going around that was false about the person and work of Jesus Christ. The reason why that is so important is because Jesus truly does form the foundation and the cornerstone of how we view Christianity, how we view faith, and really how we view our lives and other people. If you do not have the right understanding of the person of Jesus and what he did and his influence in our lives, it will change how you see and how you do everything. A great question to ask yourself really is this question of, who is Jesus to you? How do you, when you think about the person of Jesus, when you think about what he did on the cross, what are the thoughts that come into your mind? And in my preparation for today, I was just drawn back uh, to a quote uh, by a guy called C.S. Lewis, who is a very famous uh, 
author and theologian. And uh, I thought I'd preface the, the, the talk today reading this quote to you from C.S. Lewis. It says this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying that really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. And the thing is this, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things that Jesus said would not make him a great moral teacher. It would either make him a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about this being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. C.S. Lewis is speaking very directly here about the person of Jesus. But the thing that I believe we should catch from this quote is the seriousness to which we view Jesus. He is not just a great teacher. He did not allow that to be. In the things that he said, he was completely polarizing with statements like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is either a madman or a lunatic. He is either incredibly evil or he is either the son of God. And obviously we believe what we believe today, but to have a perception of who Jesus is is incredibly important as we form our faith. So you might be in church today at, at, at different parts of the journey. You might, some of you might be and you've been Christian for, or a believer for 20 or 25 or 30 years. There might be some people here that are still kicking the tires and are figuring church out and figuring out faith. Man, I'm so glad that you're here. And I think it's a fantastic morning to be in church. And our church is all about the name of Jesus. He forms the basis of everything that we do, our worship, our sermons. We build our church and Jesus builds our church on his name. He is the foundation. He is our rock. And what 1 John does so incredibly well over the next four and five weeks is it paints a picture that clarifies who Jesus is. So even us, we can go in with doubts. You might have doubts sitting here this morning about faith, about Christianity, about Jesus. That's perfectly okay. It's great to have questions. Over the next five weeks, we wish to paint a picture and preach a message that can be incredibly practical and helpful as we go on a journey of figuring out who Jesus is. Is that okay? Amazing. Come, we're going to look at the Word of God today. We're going to look at 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10. Uh, this is going to be our preaching passage today, and we're going to let the Scripture do all the work and uh, I believe God is going to speak to us and reveal something new to us. If you're not a regular note taker, I'd encourage you to take some notes today, even on your phone or on a note page. I really believe that as we lift our expectancy of God speaking to us, He really does reveal things to us in a brand new way. We're looking at 1 John 1 verses 5 to 10. It says this, This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. This will be the theme of the message today. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so good, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, 
we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. These five verses are incredibly rich in theology, incredibly rich in painting a picture of God, painting a picture of Jesus and his work in our lives. It talks about light, it talks about darkness, it talks about sin, it talks about forgiveness. These five verses are, are rich. And we're introduced to one of the first contrasts that we're gonna find over the book of 1 John, and that is this contrast between light and darkness. John emphatically states in the scripture that God is light. In him, there is no darkness. We find a similar verse an explanation of Jesus, not in 1 John, but in the gospel of John, John chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus spoke to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you're taking notes today, today's sermon title is God is light. And I want to explore this idea. I want to explore this, this theological term of God being light. And you might ask the question, you know, what does that mean? What does it mean that God is light? Well, Scripture teaches that light can be defined as everything that is pure, everything that is true, everything that is honorable, everything that is reliable. God is the embodiment of these things. So when we say that God is light, we say that God is the embodiment of truth. He is the embodiment of purity, of holiness, of sovereignty. On the other hand, we can look at darkness. Well, darkness can be considered everything that God isn't. Darkness is all sin and evil that we find in the world. Someone who walks in the light is concerned with the things of God. Someone who walks in the darkness is concerned with the things of the world. And there are moments in all of our lives where our focus and our emphasis can be on different things, but one who walks in the light, one who understands that God is light, understands that God is everything that is pure, everything that is love, everything that is honorable and reliable. God doesn't just embody those characteristics. He is those characteristics. Love is in the world because God is in the world. Truth is in the world because God is in the world. This contrast of light and darkness, I, I find it incredibly interesting. Um, I, I just thought of the story when I was preparing for my message. When I was younger, and you're gonna have to stand with me today and make me not feel like an idiot. When I was younger, I would often be watching WWE late on a Wednesday night, SmackDown versus Raw. It's my guy. It's my guy, John Cena. Did I watch the latest Fast and the Furious movie because John Cena was in it? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Towards the end of the night, obviously it's quite dark and, and my parents had, had gone to bed and my sister was in bed already because she thought wrestling was stupid, her loss by some design flaw or some builder who is clearly underqualified, the light switch was on the other side of the lounge. So what I would need to do is as a young man, obviously brave and strong and articulate and good looking, I would have to go to this side of the lounge first, flick the switch and then have to travel through the valley of darkness in order to get through the lounge and back into my bedroom. So naturally, how do you think I made that little travel? I would run. I might throw some punches just in the dark, just in case, because my imagination told me that some beasts would spawn just in the seconds, that I would switch this light switch off, some animal would be there to try to take me out. 
Do you want to know the craziest thing? My wife still does that. <laughs> we had like a 20-minute conversation last night. She's like, Phil, what if something just grabs your ankle when you're <laughs> under the bed? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Darkness was something to fear for me because you couldn't see what was in the dark. Your imagination could run wild with what could be happening in the darkness. Light has a dual function. When light comes into a situation, it exposes what's really there and it shows you a way out. On Wednesday night, I'm pretty sure I broke my pinky toe. I'm waiting for the nail to fall off. Why? because I decided to travel to the bathroom in the dark. Shamri would obviously laugh at the moment. And God has forgiven the words I said straight after that happened. <laughs> Full of grace and mercy for me. When light comes into the situation, it exposes what's really there and it shows you the way to go. It shows you how to avoid the obstacles, the trials, the difficulties. God is the light of the world. He exposes the world for what it truly is. And it shows the people of God. It shows the believers. It shows the called out ones how to get to God, how to get to where we need to be. Now, for me, this is an incredible revelation that has dropped in my heart, but also it can be incredibly scary to think about God as being the light. Sometimes, and I, and I recall back to the time where I got saved, I came to a church service, I was invited, and it felt like something very different happened to me because light can expose things for as they truly are. When you invite God into your heart and into your life, you begin to see your life and what you've done and how you've lived, you begin to see it for what it truly is. And this term in church is often spoken about as a conviction of sin. So God doesn't make you feel guilty or shameful but he makes you feel convicted of sin because we will ask the question, you know what? I don't want to keep living this way. Don't know if anybody's ever had this moment. I was in church and, and, I, was, and I was living a certain way, doing things a certain way, and the light was, was shone onto me, onto my heart, and I thought about my life, and I began to ask the question, I don't want to keep living this way. I don't have to keep living this way. God has got so much more for my life for my future, for my family, that if I can walk in the light, I can experience the goodness of God. But this is incredibly scary. And the reason it's scary is that there'll be people sitting here today that'll be saying, Phil, you don't know, you don't know my life. You don't know the things I've done, the, the things I've been a part of. The truth is God has forgiven some people long before they've forgiven themselves. So we sit in church and we think about and we believe the lies of the enemy that say, if you, if you bring that to the light, God will never forgive you. If you bring that to the light, no one will speak to you. If you bring that to the light, you are gonna be caught in your sin. You're gonna be isolated. You're gonna be caught in the darkness. But our God is so different. We've all, we've all had a person that we shared a secret with and it came back to burn us. <laughs> we've all got that. I mean, there were many times. I'll, I'll share one more story and then I'll get into the real stuff. I, on my first date, um, I was 12 years old. I was a little bit chubby. So I had a natural insecurity about me. We were at Bayside. We went to go watch a movie, um, Wild Child, with a girl that I didn't really like, but I just thought you have to be, be doing this as a 12-year-old. And we were walking around Bayside afterwards, and I started running for some reason. I, 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 I couldn't tell you why I was running. I, 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 could, I tried to remember. I fell over, and my jeans came down. 
Did my undies stay up? No. Now that's a secret one takes to the grave. I've told many a people that secret, now all of you know, and many a time has that secret come up in conversation that I didn't start. We'll reveal things about ourselves and some people just like to share those secrets. The lie of the enemy today is that you come to church and you sit here and your shame is too big, your sin is too big, your mistakes are too wide. God will never forgive you. I wanna give you the truth today. God's grace and mercy far extends and is way wider than any sin or mistake you've ever committed in your life. Regardless of what your weekend has looked like, your life has looked like, you could be 66, 88, 22 today sitting in church and thinking that God would never forgive this. I'm telling you unequivocally today that God can and will forgive every sin in your life if you commit it and hand it over to the feet of God. The lie of the enemy today is to say you need to stay in the darkness, but our God is so different from the bad friends we might have on earth because he shows you the way out and then he leads you to the way. I love this scripture, these five verses. It's so powerful because you could be saying, Phil, well, I understand that the light exposes. I understand that God can forgive, but how does he forgive? How does he lead? Well, verse seven in our scripture, and we can throw it back up for people to refer to. It says, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, purifies us of all sin. I started this message by speaking about who Jesus is to you because it's incredibly important for us to understand this doctrine, this bit of theology. If we're to understand this, we really have to have a conviction and a belief about who Jesus is. Because if Jesus was just a good moral teacher for you, someone who shared good ideas and was a nice guy and helped out in in, in different moments, and that's great, he is not able, he is not fit to purify you of all your sin. The only person who can purify you of all your sin is the Son of God. Jesus was not a lunatic. He was not an evil man. He was not a prophet. He was not a moral teacher. Jesus is and was the Son of God who came to earth as God, put on flesh and blood like Dumi so eloquently put and bore the sins of humanity, your sin and my sin, not just past sin, present sin and future sin. He died so that you can have life. We can come to church and worship, not because we're perfect and sinless, but because we've got a Savior who is. Right now, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf, praying for you, believing for you, guiding you through His Holy Spirit. We are purified of all sin. We can walk in the light, not because we are good or because we earn it, or because when we come to church and meet God and serve on the worship team, we stop sinning. Unfortunately, and this is one of my questions I'm going to have for God. God, why when I gave my heart to you, do I still battle with a sinful nature? Man, I really want to know the answer to that question because I really want to do what is good. I really want to do what is honorable. I want to do what is pure and what is true as light is described, but still I have this tension. I don't know if there's anybody else out there. I have this tension of fighting between what is good and what is bad. And every day I try my best to choose what is good, but often I fall short. Often I do what is bad. Paul has this conundrum in the book of Romans. He says, I, I do what I don't wanna do and the things I don't wanna do, I do. And this is the tension for all believers, not just unbelievers. When you meet Jesus and you find God, there will be things that you wanna do. But Christianity is a process. It's not, it's not a decision that makes you perfect overnight. It's a decision that makes you more like Christ over your lifetime. Walking in the light It's about accepting the gift of grace and mercy that because of the work of Jesus, we can come into a school building, a church like this with a a dodgy life, with bad decisions, with bad mistakes, 
But if we accept the work of Jesus on the cross and accept that his love and mercy is for you in this moment, he wipes you clean of every sin you've committed in your life. And you can continue to live out his way. And this scripture explains how to do it. We look at verse eight. And uh, this is the challenging part. Verse eight says, if you claim to be without sin, you deceive, your, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. Only who walks in the light is someone who understands, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. The journey of walking in the light and God is light and we wanna walk in the light as followers and believers. The journey of walking in the light is not about being good Christians who never do anything wrong. And this is a common misunderstanding for so many people. And it's really the reason why many people don't want to come to church. Many people don't want to spend time with Christians or go to life groups because they see a picture that isn't really true. And yes, there are going to be people in our church, people in churches all over the world that are quite hypocritical, that use their faith and them coming to church and the fact that they worship as a platform to judge and to feel like they're better than other people. Our church is not like that. We worship God because we say God would save a person like me. How much more could he do for a person like you? We don't stand here and put on the garment of arrogance and perfection. We put on the garment of humility and praise. Because me and my brokenness, there is nothing about my life. There is nothing special about Phil. Absolutely nothing. In fact, many people looked at my life, looked at the journey I wanted to go on in ministry and study, and many said, you know, Phil, I, maybe sales. <laughs> Maybe marketing. <laughs> you can sell stuff. Man, I'm so grateful that some people could see me through heaven's eyes. That my life was not about what I'd done, but it's about what God was doing in and through me. I feel it's a word for some people here today sitting in church. You feel limited by what you've done or the person you've been. Man, I love that scripture calls us a new creation in Christ Jesus. Then we accept Jesus into our hearts, we can step into the newness that God has for me. The journey of walking in the light is not stepping into perfection, but it's understanding our dependence on God and getting into a rhythm of confession. Verse nine speaks about one who walks in the light confesses their sin before God. We don't confess our sin to gain acceptance from God. We confess our sin to break down the barrier that our sin creates with God. Does that make sense? I'll say that one more time. We don't confess our sin to gain acceptance. Because we know that if we get saved and we accept Jesus into our hearts, we don't lose salvation every time we sin. Jesus, and everybody would be putting up their hand every Sunday. There's some people who still do that. God bless you. But once you accept God into your heart, accept Jesus, you are justified in a moment. You are put in right standing, but we'll still be moments where we sin and fall short. The scripture says, one who walks in the light understands their dependence on God and knows that in the moments where we fall short, we can confess our sin, and our God is so full of mercy and grace that he'll forgive us in that moment. This is very much theology and teaching as we're getting into 1 John today, but it's so good for the conviction to drop about who Jesus is. Christianity is not perfect living. It's dependent living. And that goes so against culture. And culture is about being self-made. And I've done this, I built this, this is who I am. We point back to Jesus every single time. We do something good in life, man, Jesus empowered and strengthened and gave the opportunity. When things aren't so good, Jesus will lead me and guide me through this valley. Everything about what we do points back to the person of Jesus. And I found this amazing 
summary of this scripture by a guy called Matthew Henry who writes a great commentary. He puts it like this. All who walk near to God in holiness and righteousness are sensible that their best days and duties are mixed with sin. God has given testimony to the sinfulness of the world by providing a sufficient, effectual sacrifice for sin needed in all ages. And the sinfulness of believers themselves is shown by requiring them continually to confess their sin and to apply by faith to the blood of that sacrifice. Listen to this. Let us plead guilty before God. Be humble and willing to know the worst of our case. Let us honestly confess all our sins in their full extent, relying wholly on his mercy and truth through the righteousness of Christ for a free and full forgiveness and our deliverance from the power and the practice of sin. How good is that? What an amazing explanation. Becoming saved and becoming a believer. It's not, a, it's not about being perfect and without sin. It's understanding, man, I need God more today than I did yesterday. Becoming a believer is actually quite challenging for so many people because before you start reading the Bible and come into church, you're actually blissfully unaware of the things of this world and the darkness in this world. But when you become a believer and the light exposes the world for what it is, you become truly aware of what the world is. And then it becomes quite challenging to navigate and not be of the world, but we have to live in the world. It becomes challenging and so many people struggle with this challenge, but the truth is we're not, we will never be able to overcome the sin of the world by ourselves, but we can journey through the world by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I wanna give an example of a prayer of someone who's walking in the light. It goes like this. Thank you, God, that I am perfect and I get nothing wrong. Thank you, God, that when I stub my toe, I do not say bad words. Thank you, God, that it actually feels like I can do this by myself. I don't really need you. Nah, that's not the prayer of someone walking in the light. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24 is the prayer of someone walking in the light. Search me, God, know my heart. Test me, Lord, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's not a prayer about perfection, it's a prayer about dependence. When someone is truly in the light, you realize just how dependent and reliant on God we really are. And our band can come up. I found the scripture in Psalm 36, verse seven to nine, that I feel paints an amazing picture of faith and God being the light. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house you give them drink from the river of delights, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Now, at the risk of sounding a touch philosophical this morning, I'd love to share just one thought that maybe we can take home with us today. God is the light of the world. And until we view the world, creation, people, motives, until we view those things in light of the light, we will never truly comprehend or understand what the world is about and our role in the world. God paints a picture of what the world truly is, exposes it for what it truly is, the weaknesses and the strengths. But when someone becomes a believer and accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we begin to see things as they truly are 
But God doesn't leave us in that space. He then shows us the way to go, the way forward by the death of his son, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection. He took on the sin and the shame so that we too can walk in the light. And he guides and leads us by his Holy Spirit. For me, this is incredibly encouraging because most days I feel insufficient as a believer. I feel like I lack, I feel I get it wrong. I feel like every week I tell myself at the end of the week, man, I wish I, I, wish I had more quiet times. I, I wish I prayed more. I wish I read more scripture. And then I'm reminded of what I truly am. I am a son of God. I am chosen, I am called, but I fall short. I fall short of his standard, I fall short of his glory. But how good is it that the grace and mercy of God extends over the areas where we fall short and we sin. So we can stand in his presence on a Sunday morning, we can worship and glorify, not because we are enough, but because God is enough. And today in this building and really a great sense of faith in the room today, I, w- I would love for this word to pierce the hearts of the people that sit here and have a sense of emptiness, of not enoughness, of lack. My experience with the devil and with the enemy is one, I know he is the prince of lies and he will speak into the area where you're most vulnerable, where you're most isolated, where you're most insecure. I would love to speak God's truth over your life today that His mercy and His grace is enough for you, that He has called you, that the best days are ahead of you, not behind you, and you sit in this building today with air in your lungs because God has got a great plan and a purpose for your life. I'm not speaking Christianese. I'm not sucking something out of my thumb today. I'm giving you the Word of God that great are the days ahead of me because a great God guides and leads my life. Today, Revive Church, there's a great future and a plan for our church, and we as a church, are believing to plant churches. We as a church have dreams to change the city of Cape Town and the country of South Africa. Not because we are good or great. We are handsome, but we aren't good or great. But because we are empowered by a God who is the light of the world. And let me tell you something, in every dark room, even after I was watching TV till late at night, whenever I flip the switch, the darkness evades when the light enters in. Today, you might have some dark areas in your life. Let me tell you something. When you invite Jesus into your heart, you invite the light of the world into your heart, the darkness must flee. And the light takes residence of your mind and your soul. Some of us, our greatest battles are not physical, but they're mental. He attacks our thoughts. He attacks our emotions. Let me tell you something. When you invite the light of God into your heart and into your mind, You develop a mental fortitude and an emotional fortitude that only comes from God. Anxiety is real, depression is real. If you're going through those things today, I'm I'm with you, seek help. But if I'm gonna give you my honest opinion, I don't know how we navigate this world without depression and without anxiety unless we have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. We were not made for planet Earth, church. We were not made to live here. Everything about this world, every news headline, everything we see that breaks your heart, 
people, refugees drowning in the sea because there's no place for them to go. Wars breaking out all around the world. We were not made for planet earth. Can we understand that today? So when we encounter these things mentally and emotionally, it takes such a toll on your heart. And sometimes you only experience the, the trauma of these things later on in life. Let me tell you something. You can overcome the trauma of this broken and sinful world by inviting the light of the world into your heart and into your mind. Stop trying to fight everything by yourself. We think that we're like Rocky. We climb the stairs and we punch and... Man, I would love to be the hero of my story, but I've learned time and time and time again, I'm the hero that falls short. As soon as I said, Jesus, you are the hero of my story, I will be the damsel in distress every single time. Save me from the tower, God, because you are the knight in shining armor. I can't do it. Stop trying to be the hero of your story. Jesus Christ is the hero of your life, your family, and your future. And a time is coming, church, where Jesus is coming back for His church and for His people, and we will live in heaven for all eternity, where all sickness and sadness and sorrow is gone. As for right now, we need some mechanisms on how to navigate planet Earth. And you can read the 12 books to a successful life and the 13 keys on getting ripped and jacked in summer. You can read all of these amazing books, but let me tell you something, the only thing that equips and gives you everything you need to navigate a broken and a sinful world is a relationship with the one and true God in heaven who is the light of the world. As I close, just give you three things. Evidence that we are walking in the light. Number one, we accept Jesus into our hearts as our Lord and Savior. We accept the work of the cross. And you tell yourself that Jesus died on the cross for you because he did. You tell yourself that it was your face, it was your story, it was your future that he saw and that he laid his life down because he did. And you accept that gift. Number two, we have fellowship with one another. We care about other people. We build up other people. We love other people. The enemy will tell you that the world is all about yourself. Get yourself through it. No. The gospel tells us the world is about meeting Jesus and showing others his love. One who walks in the light is one who cares and loves other people. And the last point, we confess our sin, bringing about both forgiveness and cleansing. Today, church, I'm so grateful that the call of the Christian is not to be perfect, but it's about being dependent and reliant. Today, I stand before God guilty of sin, guilty of falling short, but I also stand before God justified because His Son died on the cross for my sin, giving me an opportunity to have fellowship with my Father in heaven. It's the same for you. Can I pray for us today? Come on, let's bow our heads. Father God, you know our hearts today. God, I have no idea what has brought people to church today. I have no idea what people are going through. I have no idea about the financial struggles that might be present in the room today. I have no idea about the physical illnesses that some are dealing with in the room today. I have no idea about the mental struggles that people are dealing with in the room today. But God, I do know that any issue and any trial we face on earth 
It can fill over our head, but it is always under your feet. Holy Spirit, I pray, would you come and enter this room right now? Lord, we open our hearts to you. We thank you, God, that as the light, you see everything as it is. We don't hide anything from you today, Lord. We, we give you our hearts. We give you our doubts. We give you the times we've questioned and maybe even the times we've walked away. But Lord, right now, we give you everything. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you lead us and would you guide us? I have a strong sense in my heart that there are people in the room today that have drifted from God, that have maybe tried to do life in their own strength, in their own capacity, trying to be the hero of their own story. And the greatest decision we can make in this life is to invite Jesus in, to accept Him as our Lord and Savior, as the only one able to sit on the throne of our hearts, the one who cleanses us of all sins and lead us to a life everlasting. I have a strong sense that there's people in the room today that need to make that decision. Maybe for some it's a recommitment. Maybe you've given your heart to God in the past, but now you can feel, right now your heart is beating a little bit faster. You, you feel like you need to recommit. You need to make that decision right now and to say, Lord, I, I wanna recommit my life to you. Maybe there's some people here that have never ever done that. And that can be incredibly scary. But man, we've got a God in heaven who loves you more than any earthly parent, any earthly friend, and he's calling you home. He wants to take your worries and your concerns and your burdens, and he wants to lead you to a life everlasting. If there's anybody here this morning that's saying, Phil, that's me, I'd love for you to pray for me and with me. All heads are bowed and eyes are closed. On the count of three, just shoot your hand up. I just wanna know who I'm praying for this morning. And this is a moment just between you and God. I would encourage you to forget about your pride, forget about the people that you came with. This is a decision that will change your life and your eternity. One, two, three. If there's anybody here, just pop your hand up right now, wherever you are. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. If you wouldn't mind just keeping your hand up, if you put that hand up, just pop it up. We just got something we wanna give you. There's a hand in the back. There's a hand in the front. We've just got a little thing we want to give you. Awesome. Then the back, back left, and there's a hand over here. Right here in the front. Right here. Fantastic. Is anybody else? All heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just pop your hand up wherever you are. If there's anybody in the balcony, this is God. This is your moment with God. Just pop your hand up wherever you are. Lord, we want to thank you for today, God. We want to thank you, God, that you're moving. We want to thank you, God, that you are in control. And that many other plans in our heart, but really, Lord, it's only your plans that will prevail. God, I thank you for those hands that were raised today, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for a step of faith and boldness. God, we pray, let your favor and your blessing lead them and guide them every single day of their life. Help them to get rooted and planted in the house of God. We thank you, Lord. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, can we give God just a round of applause? Fantastic. I'm gonna ask something maybe that's a little bit daring, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. I'm gonna ask our prayer team, if you guys can just gather in that right corner over there and those people that put their hands up and maybe you didn't put your hand up this morning, we'd love to pray with you and just 
have a conversation. And this moment is so much bigger than just putting a hand up. It's a moment of life change. So if that's you and you're saying, Phil, you know, I put my hand up. Would you mind right now, just stand up and just make your way over to the prayer team over there. We'd love to just pray for you wherever you're at. Come on, can we give them a round of applause as they're standing up? Amazing. You put your hand up, you can make your way to the front. Fantastic. We'll give them a moment to do that. Come on, we can give them one more round of applause. Life-changing decision. Thank you, Jesus. We've got a team who want to connect with you there.